Here we go, another week of NBL Trash Talk, or Sports Bet Trash Talk, I should say. The man across from me still manages to somehow keep his job while getting a foot in both pools. Pete Hawley. Mate, good to be here. Uh, a lot happening, kind of, sort of, but a lot kind of set now, it kind of seems, going into this business part of the season. There's still a lot of games to come. Oh, we're just over the halfway point. Mm. But of course, there's stuff that we can and stuff that we won't talk about. Obviously, the Mitch Creek stuff, we're just going to leave that, not touch that with a 10-foot pole, mm-hmm. just because of the nature of the situation. I don't think it's right. You or me, neither of us have any sort of legal backing, but it seems like there's a lot of that stuff at play, levels above what people have been commenting on. 100%. Wouldn't have a clue what's going on until <laughs> the releases you see, so can't tell much about it. Well, you know what? I thought we were going to get through another week of the NBL without the Sydney Kings oh, no. making a fool of themselves. Oh, no. But it appears that is not the case. Once again, the Sydney Kings are the centre of a complaint. Now... There's two schools of thought here, and I'm playing both sides of this one. Okay. Feeling a bit like Pete, playing, sitting on the fence, playing both sides. Yeah. On one hand, the Perth Wildcats, Adam Ford's press conference, of course, violently complaining about the refs, almost as if to blame them for the loss when you leave Bryce Cotton open for three threes late down the stretch. Now, the refereeing, the officiating, which was bad, but it's been bad both ways and it's been bad all season across all games. The NBL officiating is poor. We can all agree on that. But it did not cost the Sydney Kings the game to the point where their official social media accounts are blaming the refs and they're blaming the refs in the press conference. So that's my piece on that one. It was not the refs' fault. And you know what? You go over to the jungle and people are talking about these foul differentials and all, all that sort of stuff. Perth usually smack teams over there. Or they're in the position where teams have to foul late game. Perth are just a very good basketball team. Yeah, people need to find some sort of excuse to why teams are losing. The Kings, for that matter, I can't take it as serious. If this was someone else, another club talking about this, maybe I could give it a little bit more credit. I'm, I understand what you're saying. I'm going to say yeah, you're right because there's still time to play after those calls. But there was three calls. Two of them, one I'm not going to talk about. The push-off, Bryce Cotton on Casper. Some people say it was there. I don't think that was there. But he did change the game. And Casper was back to his two-way best in that game. That's the first time I've seen him really like that since probably Melbourne days, to be honest, where he was really getting up and in. Bryce Cotton had 10 points at three-quarter time. The start of the fourth, he had a clean strip. But from where the referee who called it was, his left arm was in. That was a real bad call. That was his third foul. Push-off. I'm not going to touch the one. I wouldn't have called that. It's, Bryce does that. There was also a shocking rebounding foul that was called on Perth. Correct. On the other end. It was just poor officiating. But then, Full stop. And then the block call was... <laughs> that's just a really, really bad call. And I think that is the anticipation of what's happening. And you probably thought, oh, Casper's not going to get high enough to, to block Bryce. But what it did do was it changed the way the Kings had to finish the game. And as you said, there was still plenty of time left. Plenty of time it t- left. It took Casper, who was doing really well on Bryce, and then put DD. And there's a big difference because what it was, Casper was all up and in Bryce Cotton, telling him where to go, forcing him where to go. Didi took a step back and let Bryce say, well, you dictate I'm going to be there when you're ready to go. You can't do that against Bryce Cotton. And that's what ended up costing him the game is it was a different guy guarding. And- so you're saying, that you're saying that the officiating, the foul that was called, cost them the game. Not the poor defense, not leaving Bryce Cotton wide open. You're saying it was the officiating that I'm cost saying them it, the game. It, no, no, because as I said, they still have a chance to win at 100%. I thought they were outstanding for most More of the game. More than a chance to win. Yeah, Enough chance to win to not took, complain and cry about it in it the press their, It took their, a, their game plan A it was working away from them. And that's right, they weren't ready for a backup plan. It, but you, as you said, you're going to have bad calls, especially on the road. It was two back-to-back ones, which really hurt Casper. I find it rich coming from the Kings because the most, probably the angriest I've ever got on this podcast was in 
the semi-final series mm. last year. Yep. And it just happened to be this game was, I wish it wasn't against United for the sake of the argument, but it was against <laughs> United. The Sydney Kings home game to get into the grand final. I was almost to the point of saying that game was rigged. It was that bad. It was bad. The officiating was so bad to gift the Sydney Kings a grand final shot against mm. Perth, which of course they later on blew on their own accord. But the refing was that bad. So you get the rub of the green, sometimes you don't. That's how basketball works. But to blame it when you had so many opportunities to win that game outside of a couple of foul calls is annoying. And then to talk about years and years of this has been going on, I hate it. So on that side, I hate it. Yeah. The other side is the fine that Adam Ford received. Now, I don't like any of this bringing the game into disrepute thing. And there's multiple schools of thought on this. But I like coaches being able to say whatever they want in the press conference. Yeah, I'm with He you. may have gone a little bit overboard. Like, I believe it was almost nine minutes <laughs> of chat going on about it. Like, well, yeah, maybe a little minutes. bit overboard. But at the end of the day, we want our athletes and we want our coaches to be able to say whatever they want. It's not really disrespectful to anyone. The officiating has been poor. And I understand that it's a flatline rule, this precedent set. But I'd like to see a league where players can say whatever they want without being worried. We saw it with the decal, that sort of stuff. Mm. I want to see a league where coaches can complain about the officiating after the game because you know what? Caused a bit of media attention. Anyone who watched the game yeah. through an unbiased lens could see that, yeah, the Kings blew that game. They're just looking for something to complain about. Well, any sport that's going to be bad, if you're going to get on the end of bad calls, especially when, when you're playing away. Um, Dan Shamir did it. When we were talking about Colton Ives and after the game where he got fouled off and Bendigo, Dan Shamir just literally said, we need to be able to officiate guys like Colton Ives and different from the rest. And he went like that's yeah. And that's the kind of thing. That's constructive criticism. A way to, that's but, a smart way to go about it. But I you, still reckon you should be able to say whatever in a post-game press conference. Well, I, I'm with Twitter you. and all this sort of stuff, social media is a bit different because you're out of the official bounds. But when we talk about an emotional end-of-game reaction. The word you said there is the, the emotions are going to be running high. So there's no doubt that Adam Ford was after that game was fuming because he was still holding on to those calls when the game was finished. So then he went in there all hyped up, ready to Which go. Which is why I have no issue. Because you know what? Would I have gone in there and, and spoke like that? No, but I don't have any emotional investment in a Sydney Kings versus Perth Wildcats game. He's the head coach of this team. A team that needs to win games. Of course he He's going to have an emotional reaction. If it's if his beef is with the refs, I don't agree, but so be it. He should be able to say that's so why I don't agree with the fine. No, I'm waiting to see if you get like triple teams in NBL one and your emotions are high on the Tuesday coming in. I want to hear it. Oh, I'll get. I want to hear it. I'm the worst with refs as you well. May, yeah, you may. You I'm may terrible lead the with refs. In, you may lead the league in most texts. Oh, I get texts all the time. I yell back at the officials, and I know that I shouldn't. And most of the time, I'm wrong. <laughs> You look back Correct. on the film and I've clearly fouled a guy. But that's the emotion of the game. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah. feel like sometimes we lose that. And I feel like that was lost in the Kings one. But then again, sort of the culture of the Kings, what it's become, there's always, it's, it's some other reason as to why there was a loss. Well, it's, it's never just, oh, you know, Bryce Cotton just went all Bryce Cotton at the end. I don't care if he had 10 points up until two minutes to go. Bryce Cotton stands up when he's needed and he did that game. And I hate it that that storyline wasn't Bryce Cotton leads Perth to a victory. It was, oh, the, the Red Army, they just get the rub of the green every time. The number one cultural team in the NBL, in Australian sport, potentially the only reason they win is because they get, you know, wins at home because of the refs. Well, we're spending too long on this, I think. No, but, there's no such thing oh, as okay. too long. But the thing is, as we like to see is, I think the officials, yeah, there's going to be bad calls everywhere, especially when you go on the road. You've got to be perfect to win on the road if, against the championship caliber team. Yeah. That's just what it is. So you've got to come together after those bad calls. But we also want to see those elite matchups get away with a little bit more. Like that's, we've yeah. seen that. And that's in, a whole different everything. story. Yeah. That's an overall refing. That's not a one team gets too many calls. Like, that's an overall officiating thing. And we've yeah. seen Scott Butler's name come up a lot, of course, the head of officiating, whatever the official title is. Something needs to happen. It's hard. There. It's hard because then you, you look at that and say, well, why can't, 
we've seen a lot of development players on the court when they're going at each other. Why do we have to officiate them different than a Bryce Cotton versus Casper? And that's where you got to come in and say, well, these two, everyone, they're going to sell the tickets. So a Casper yeah. versus Bryce Cotton game is going to... Oh, for sure. We want to see Iverson out there. He's a big body. There's going to be contact. Let him Can't play. Look what happens when we Can't let him play. We're going to chat about, about that. But I'll tell you what, here's an idea. And I've seen this somewhere else. Mm. Why don't we get, to prove that the Perth Wildcats, it isn't just the officiating is the reason they're winning the games because they get calls at home. Let's put them in a hub. Away with every team. Let's say we'll put it in Melbourne. A neutral venue probably sides with the Melbourne teams over anything. We'll let them play a whole bunch of games. Maybe even put a cash prize at the end of it. Mm. And then we'll see if... Wait, that's already happened, hasn't it? (laughs) Oh, shit, that's right. It was the NBL Cup that they won easily. Again... It's just people looking well, for excuses. The bottom line the is... The Warriors. People used to come at the Warriors whenever yeah. they want. People come at great teams for issues. They try to find any reason as to why they're not as good as that team. And the Sydney Kings want to be the Perth Wildcats so bad. They want to have that success. They want to have those crowds, the cultures. And that being said, the Kings have been doing a very good job with the crowds considering they're coming up against the NRL mm. at the same time. So the Kings, fantastic job with the crowds. But, geez, you just... You, Creating a bad name for yourself with all this post. The bottom line, the bottom line is Perth Wildcats. When the games, when it's crunched, they just never get rattled. So no. bad calls or and whatever, they culture. just come together. You're right. And when you make excuses after games, that's where you lose that. So that's, when you're always off oh, the, the social media account saying, "Oh, the refs retweeting bad calls," it all adds into the culture because it's, if it's acceptable there, it's acceptable for a guy to lose his focus mm. and just start yelling at the refs at the like end of the game. It's contagious. Yeah. I, I get you. It's all right, mate. It's all right. I'm calm. The, the calls were bad. <laughs> the calls were The bad. calls were terrible. Yeah, the calls were bad. But it wasn't it's some rigging or officiating yeah, to get Perth to win. Yeah. Anyway, the top four, is it locked and loaded at the moment? I think it's it. I really do. After seeing and a couple of teams have some injury worries going forward, I know we're only just over halfway of the season, but I think this is going to be the top four at the end of the season. Well, the top four we're sitting with at the moment, United... Wildcats, Phoenix, and the Kings right there. Now, the Kings are an interesting one for me because as soon as Xavier Cooks, if he gets back into this lineup, that's a completely different team. Both ends of the floor. Mm. Well, right now they're, they're steadying the ship without him, aren't they? And playing really good basketball. That's what I mean. They, they've got the foundation set. So the Kings is one that I reckon could potentially move up. At the start of the season, I had them nowhere near without Xavier Cooks, but they've overplayed you and me both, yeah. my estimation. Mm. So I can see them potentially moving up. Look, if United without Jack White, Start to fall. I can see some change within that top Oh, four. yeah. So not set as in how it's going to finish. Those four, I think, will be the finals teams because Brisbane, they're slipping a little bit. They've got a couple of injury worries and Lamar Patterson yet to come back in. We'll see how he feels. The Hawks, man, I'm not sure Hawks what's going on. Hawks just dropped off. We're going to touch on them later, whether they can turn this thing around. But do you think that United, in order to continue to compete and continue to stay at the top, because they're a one-two team, anything they drop between behind first or second is, yep. is a failure right now with the roster that they've put together. Do they need to get someone in to replace Jack White, who's potentially going to miss, he's going to miss this season, potentially next season as well, which is a huge hitter it's, with the impact he has on both ends of the floor. That is one of the worst storylines of the year by far. He's one of the best boys, and I think their most important player. Like, not their well, best Well, that's player. the thing. Not their best, but their most, the important, most important. Much like player. Xavier Cooks would be for the Kings if he was out there. A guy that, if you contribute both ends of the floor to an equal amount at an elite level... Irreplaceable. But there's something to add to that. Doing that at the best of your ability without worrying whether you'd score the ball. Like, he doesn't. He just no. takes his opportunities. Do they need to replace him? Mate, but who? who? Dylan Stith. I think at the moment, you've got to, do you really get someone from overseas? Well, you can't, can you? Because he's it's going to have two weeks point. of quarantine. Then find his feet, which we've seen with Brandon Paul, is hard to do when coming out of the hotel quarantine. So, so it's about a month. You've got to, and Who are you bringing in as an import who's going to come in and be like, oh, okay, well... You want me to play that role? They don't need a scorer. There's, they do not need a scorer. No. 
So you want an employer that's going to come in, not worry about scoring, going to rebound, be Which athletic Which is why I like Dylan Stiff. Dylan Stiff's come in there for this team before. He knows the team. He knows the group. He seems like a logical decision because he's going to be able to come in. He doesn't need to score on one end. He's just going to come and play defense and rebound. He's, and he's a similar sort of athletic body he is. to Jack White. Yeah. Of course, Jack White's a much different player and a yeah. better player. But Dylan Stiff's a guy that I think can easily come in, but then you are filling that import gap. I'm not sure what happens with payment there, whether well, you're going to pay more or what yeah, happens there when you bring it in. That's, he's had chances, but his leash has been very short, hasn't it? He's been on the roster for an injury placement for a couple of times. Um, I'm not sure whether – are you playing Frankston early on in the season? Is this why you want to see him gone? Is, <laughs> is this why you want to see him gone? But, I, yeah, it's good. that's a really interesting one for United because obviously it's going to be Mason Peeley, who's playing really well. Dave Barlow's role is going to increase, but, again, it's not Jack White, is it? Like we see from Jack White. No, and you're never going to – Replace Jack White. You can't. You're going to have to do it by Yeah, you're never going to replace him. You've just got to do it by a committee. Mason Peatling's coming in, playing a good job on the boards. But I I think Dylan's this probably the only choice, and I'd be very surprised if it wasn't him. I I agree, and I think I wouldn't be surprised if they start to run Scotty Hobson in the four a little bit in terms of we're just going to have to switch one through five with Jock Landale out there, and just everybody has to be ready to double team, do all that, and then play four out, one in. Because it's going to be an offensive... Disadvantage every single time. Scotty Hobson down one end. Yeah. Can you cover it on defense? I don't know. Sure, we'll find Which out. I think you can. You have Jock Landell behind him. I think you'd be able to do a job with that. The Phoenix. Now, if Mitch Creek stays within this team, which remains to be seen after everything's said mm. and done, whether he stays in, Brockoff starting to look good. Only one game I know, but starting to look a lot better. And we've seen his body. He looked when he came in, he was about 60%. He looked for the first couple of games, he had 60%. Starting to look around that 80 to 90% range at the moment. And he plays it like it's the NBA range shooters that do the most damage because you spread the floor so much. I love that he played. So in the however many games he played before that game against the Hawks, he played three or four minute spurts, sat down. Three or four minutes, sat down. A guy hasn't played for 12 months. You can't expect him as a rhythm guy to find his rhythm in that. I don't care how no. well he's shooting in training and how well he's dominating training. Played two 10-and-a-half-minute spurts in that game and had 26. So it was it was no surprise that he worked himself into the game, albeit that Hawks' defense was atrocious. Let him get open a couple Which of times. Which isn't – we're going to touch on that later. I keep wanting yes. to jump into that one. So it's – I think they're oh, – they're an extremely dangerous team. But again, I have a massive question mark over when Kiefer Sykes comes back, what happens in their guard rotation – Kyle Adams' role is going to change. He's going to go back to the bench, which is good. I think he's going to enjoy having the Kyle's still good. Uh, yeah, I don't think it changes that much because Kiefer comes in and just, again, is just going to be a dominant player. But, but on what I'm saying is you're going to have to have that conversation with Isaiah Leafa saying, look, you've done nothing wrong, but right now you understand where yeah, it's Yeah, but that's, that's professional basketball. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm I, don't think there's, I don't think that's going to change whether they win or lose. Leafa might be, ah, that's annoying. Mm. I played well and I still lose my spot, but that's basketball. It's well, not going to affect their on-court Production. Well, you got Adam Gibson as well, and you got Kent Glidden who's now firing. So you got a logjam in that in the spot. See, the so. annoying thing is that if you're Kyle Adam, you're playing well at the moment, getting in the paint well, actually penetrating for the first time in his career, he's actually penetrating and doing a real good job, and, not but, just sort of settling for the pull up and diming, getting people. right yeah. in the paint, diming people up. Well, that's the thing because he's getting so deep into the mm. paint, he's able to dime people up. You got Brock off on one side, mm. you've got a Hawk Glidden on the other side. There's no help coming in there. No, he's quicker than everyone else. That's why he's getting so many assists because half the time it's just him versus another big, because he's going to be able to get past his first defender. He's quick enough to do that. It's the LeBron mentality, and in no way am I comparing Kyle Adam to LeBron James here. But it's that you don't have to worry as much about the first defender because you've got the speed. You've got to worry about the second defender. And now that he's getting more confidence with game time, he's diming guys up left, right, and center with that. Kiefer Sykes is going to be able to do that Mm. at another level, which is the issue, and it sucks for Kyle because he's playing so well. But again, the nature of being a point guard in this league is you're always going to have an import around you, which is why he needs to get to Tasmania. 
did not expect Kyle Adam and LeBron James to be in the same sentence. Neither today. did I. I didn't but, wake up this morning with that one on the rundown, uh, but it did come out. They need If they're going to really compete for the title, they need Dane back because he's the best on-ball defender we've seen. Where does Dane time. fit in with Yanni Wetzel? But I reckon he's going to be perfect to – like Yanni Wetzel, we've seen he, – he's a – Elite player, and what a prospect he's going to be in the future. Dane's defense and rebounding, especially on one defense, is yeah. what is going to help them win. They need him back because you look at every elite team. Bryce Cotton, they run a lot of on balls for Bryce Cotton. Who's going to guard them? You need Dane out there. Um, Melby Knight are the same with Mitch McCarron. We see Chris Golding. You need Dane's defensive presence out there. I don't know when he's coming back, but they to really contend, they're going to need him back. He'll be back soon. Not too long. I was waiting for you to jump in there. I was waiting for you to jump in there. A <laughs> couple of weeks and I reckon Dane will be back on the couple floor. couple of weeks? Again, yeah. Oh. you got to wait, man. Far out. Never, never known you to be so excited over a defensive assignment there. <laughs> True. In player out of bounds, Connor Henry bites back at homicide conveniently, mm. just waits around there. And his Twitter's active. I know he's always on there. Waits around there for to get a win well, before he jumps is. on homicide. And here we go. So homicide, obviously, talking about... Connor Henry, you got to play Brandon Paul. You got to do this, that, that, and the other. You know the usual pleaded stuff that pleaded, pleaded, pleaded with Connor Henry. And Connor Henry goes, "Real talk, know the facts before you speak. Respect your career and your insight in growing the NBL. Phone is always on if you want to discuss and understand our vision of building the club." Now, interesting. The old bite back on Twitter from a coach. And the first thing, before we get into this, I love the fact that Connor Henry has the most boomer display picture of all time yeah. with the double-handed selfie yeah. at practice. The double-handed selfie is the ultimate boomer Nokia 310 type style. I don't even think there were cameras on Nokia 310. No, there were. Have you got the upgraded model there? Was. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. The later models. Didn't have the upgraded yeah, yeah. model. Had the snake phone. But what do you think of that? Now, I, I'm, I'm, again torn in between on this one. I, I love, because I want coaches to be able, oh, to, be able I love, to say what they I want and that sort of stuff. On that, I yeah. love the engagement, but waiting before a win to do it, doing it on Twitter. Uh. It's a bit like, and I know I told you before, the movie Step Up, when uh, the young kid picks up a rock to throw at a car, but he waits till the car turns the corner <laughs> and throws the rock at him and everyone gives him stick for it. It's a bit like that because, you, well, first off, I think everybody, had, it wasn't just Corey who had that comment. Everybody wanted to Everyone, that was the narrative. So I, I love that he said that he's open to talk about it, but I think all his fans, all the fans deserve to know that as well. Then what is Yeah, what is, what is this is behind the scenes sort because of Because it just, it, we're going to say this in, in another one we've got coming up uh, with a couple other teams, but... It takes all the, the questions of, if you're playing bad, everyone's just like, why is Brandon Paul not playing? So if you get out on the front foot and say, look, this is what we're trying to do. This is what we're doing with Brandon Paul. All of a sudden, everyone shuts up about that and they're just worried about winning. So it's like, I get it, but you've I love that you've brought it up now, but also your fans and everybody else who's asking the same question want to know you've, what is that? Connor mission? Henry's muddied the waters a whole bunch more now. But so, oh, and he I said understand. His phone's on, so can every single fan call him yeah. and say, Connor, what's the vision? <laughs> what's going on with Brandon Paul? That's but I, I can also understand, okay, you've got Brandon Paul in here for potentially a year. He's coming in for a year. Connor Henry's going to be a long term coach of this mm. team. He's, had, he's dealing with a roster which I don't think is very good. Not he's whether, got an 18 year old point guard who's doing really well at the moment, yeah. but at the end of the day, it's an 18 year old point guard. Isaac Humphrey's out for a whole bunch of games. Giddy's been out for a whole bunch of games. Yeah. I think that Connor Henry is a good coach, and I think that Adelaide are going to stick with him for the long haul. And I think the thing that's annoying Connor Henry during this is the fact that, okay, why am I? I'm trying to develop this team with the guys. They're not going to win the championship this year. The Adelaide 36ers are not going to win the championship yet. No. They know that. Management knows that. The owner knows that. So why start giving Brandon Paul a whole bunch of shots? Now, that's obviously the approach they're taking. Fans want to go to the game and they want to see their team win. So it's hard to understand that from their level. But I can see from what he was hinting at, again, we, we might be reading into more than what was there on that reply. 
but it seems like they're just wanting to develop their young kids and they're the core of their group that's going to go into next year when Brandon Paul's probably said, yeah, I'm not looking to play here next year. I'm just coming in, getting a job, hanging out for a while, You're that right. sort of stuff. You're 100% now, right. on court, yeah. the players don't seem to be passing him the ball, which is the issue. And why oh you're not goodness. starting him and stuff like that, which, which is annoying. 31 minutes and sat in the corner. That could be the directive. And not the directive to not pass in the ball, but he's not going to be a focal, vocal point of the offense. Yeah, so I... But that's why it's I like... vocal, not vocal, as was pointed out to you on Twitter. I actually, I thought I said that because I like to think I've got a couple of degrees. He wasn't trolling, though. He wasn't yeah. trolling. Just <laughs> made sure everybody saw it. Um, I, but I, that's what I mean with Connor Henry. But I'd like to be able to take that pressure on all the talk. Like It'd be annoying. As you said, you're going in every day. Every interview is about the same thing. So can you get out on the front foot and say, look, this is what we're trying to build. This is what we're doing. Because as you said, it's not going to be a surprise. That's why I'd like to be able to see it because it, that way, the Connor Henry's like, well, I've dealt with that. Now let's focus on going forward and winning. Yeah. If they get their whole – if Isaac Humphrey's back in a couple of weeks, if they can steady the ship and somehow get some wins going forward, we've seen the teams above them are starting to stumble, albeit the, the top four looks set, but they can make a run at this with a healthy team with Brandon Paul and Isaac Humphrey's back. It's going to take him a while. Tell they can make a run. They, oh, I don't think they can make a run. I'll tell you what annoys Connor Henry a bit as well, I think. He's got to coach this team and there is a massive payout for this club in an era where they have lost a whole lot of money through COVID, all this sort of stuff. When Josh Giddy gets drafted, there is a big, big payout for Mm. this club. A lot of cash going in the pockets of a club that needs money. So if I'm the owner of Adelaide, and again, this is just speculation. I'm not saying this is what the owner's saying. Do you want Brandon Paul taking stats off Josh Giddy? Because right now, Brandon Paul has the ability, I'd say, to be the focal point of that offense but why would you take that away from Giddy and let him potentially slide down the trap when you're looking at more and more money if he gets selected no I think it's you got to find that fine line of being able to use Giddy to help Brandon Paul get shots which will help Josh Giddy get the stats I think the mode of the season right now is just to develop the young guys and ride keep Isaac for another year keep developing him get him there and ride the the most criminally underrated player in the league oh can we touch on that for a second before we get to hot and cold Daniel Johnson now Again, people bring up his defense and that sort of stuff. Not a Who cares? not a little beep. Who cares? Out of the NBL or out of the Adelaide 36ers for Daniel Johnson reaching 5,000 points. Now, thank you to Andrew Price from, I believe, the data company. It, it evades me at the moment, but chucks out a whole bunch mm. of fantastic data trends. Everything it was on a cool graph. Andrew B. Price, mm. I believe the name is. Fantastic. Brings out all the stats that we need for this league. But 5,000 points, you think that's worthy of a mention on broadcast? And clearly you guys weren't told of it. Yeah, no, we slipped under the radar for yeah. sure. But that's, again, I think... But I maybe a social guys. post, something. This guy's just reached 5,000 points uh, and he's, again, criminally underrated. I, I, I get it. He hasn't won a huge amount of games. He doesn't play a huge amount of defense. But at the end of the game, he's elite in one area. He is an elite scorer. He is. And that's what, and I think... I think Olgan replied to you saying that it kind of just suits him that it, it got missed because it just sets the most Daniel Johnson thing right. to happen is everyone forgetting that he, he could be the leading scorer in the history of the league and everyone oh what he's what? A, he's elite and I love watching him go about it year in year out night in night out um, on that graph Gazy he had that in like 141 games 5,000 points Gazy's stats should be deleted uh, from history it's in the NBL to it's impossible to anyone it's like the Wilt Chamberlain stats it's ridiculous Gazy's is from a current era and I asked him I said were you allergic to passing and he pulled up his stats straight away somehow had that ready to go and he averaged like 8 assists I love uh, Lennard who was talking about someone was talking about getting, getting too many shots, shots yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting someone 20 shots and then Gazy had the nerve yeah, to, to question that anyway hold on Cole we're running overtime at the moment United need an import to replace Jack White now we've touched on this one before I'm rolling with hot 
but it's a local import. So no, we're not talking import, import. We're talking Dylan Stythe import has played a little bit with United before. Again, an American currently living here, currently playing, going to play for Frankston in the NBL one. Seems to me an easy little guy to slot in. Not going to fix the crack completely. Not like that flex seal ad, you know, where you smack the yeah. tape onto the leaking drum. Yeah, yeah. But it's a little bit of scotch tape. Yeah, overseas, overseas important. No, I think in the timing of this and who you're trying to get, what piece you're trying to get, you're not going to find anywhere other than just trying to fill that gap with as many people as you can. Hot or cold? Colden Iverson robbed of the Bunnings player of the game. Now, <laughs> whoever chooses the Bunnings player of the game must not have watched the game because Colton Iverson with 100 points and 100 rebounds probably should have got it even though it was in a loss, but it was a close loss. Now, so there was no question. Come on, give me your filth. Well, no, so give me it, a reason. It has to come from the winning team. That's that's the part that's of the, the rule. That's part of the rule. That is the hard rule. Okay, well, there we go. Let me so, just write down that. That is, that is one to, to send on a sternly worded letter to the NBL <laughs> that the well, Bunnings player of the game can be from the losing team. So here's the thing. I, I think it happened once where it might have been LaMelo Ball got a triple-double and was put there and then it was like, well, no, 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 because they didn't win. The fine line is, I agree. I think they should have at least had a joint one because it's just such a rare thing. A but joint the, one. No, the, the Bunnings isn't going to be the, flinging that much cash. The mate. fine thing, do they get something for it? I don't know. I don't I think they do. So. I, think, I would hope sure. so. Oh, maybe they do. Um, actually, maybe they do because Craig Moller asked why he wasn't. And I was like, I don't think you get Craig Moller needs to get some hedge clippers to get rid of those dreadlocks if hey, he gets hey, the Bunnings. Don't touch your hair now. You just had 20 points in, Mr. <laughs> Shot. Don't touch. Um, yeah, it's... Where's the line? Where do you draw the line of getting to that to the I'll next you, point? I'll tell, you where it, you draw, I'll tell you where you draw the line. 20 and 20. If someone gets 100 points and 100 rebounds in a single game, 20 and 20, whatever you want to it's call just it, gonna, they it, get the player of the it game just, if it was a close it opens, game. It opens that can of saying, okay, well, this player, has he played well enough? Then you go in the future. It happened once before. Is this well enough? And then it goes well enough. And you eventually you get down to a guy has... 9, 9, and 9, and you give him player of the game. So there's... The I think it's a pretty obvious one. There was, there was no one <clears throat> that you would give Colton Iverson. If you were awarding Brownlow votes, 3-2-1 in that game, there is no one that you would give that played well enough. It's not like someone went for 40 on the no, other side of the not, court. We're not doing Brownlow votes because Nat Fife got three votes in a 65-point loss, which <laughs> should not happen. You're right, it was a closer game. I hear you, I hear you. Hot or cold, Will McDowell-White's debut was underwhelming for New Zealand. Yeah, it was. There's no doubt about it. Oh, nice. It. Okay, on to the next one. Uh, but... <laughs> Again, he's a ball-dominant guy. He's not going to run off screens. Am I right in saying he just came out of quarantine? Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to say it was underwhelming. But the well, guy's just come out of 14 days quarantine, Pete, and well, you're going to come at him so aggressively. No. you that asked. just disgusting. You asked if it was, but that's exactly the reason why I didn't it think was. it was underwhelming. I didn't expect anything from him. Ryan Brockoff came into this league and had about three and points was in his first game. Exactly. It but, wasn't underwhelming. It was expected well, after hotel quarantine. I just I don't know where he's going to fit into the team. You've got ball-dominant guards in the Webster brothers. He's not going to be Ryan Brockoff running off screens, and I want to see... put the, Again, a team that's not going to make the finals, I'd love to see... Try and see what you can get out of him. He looks significantly older in the face now since we've more last matured, seen him. But that's what well. he looks more mature. I like to see maybe Ty Webster run the two when yeah. Corey's off and put the ball in McDowell White's. Well, something's going to have to change with that team. Well, we we want to. Everybody's wanted to see what McDowell White's made of. Him playing the two or three, running off screens. I, I like what I saw, even though it was minimal stats, minimal impact. But considering Webster and the Webster brothers with the ball in their hands so much, I thought he was composed. I thought he was good. I, I think I, you can see you can see when a player is good and they know the game. Yeah, but that's why, and I'm like, what's the next step? That's what I'm trying to find out. Is what well, I want to see him thrive, and we all want to see what he's been hyped up to be. Where will he fit in this group? That's up for Dan Schmier. By myth. the way, love Dan Schmier. He's got the <laughs> best timeouts. Something about his accent. Can we get a name on his assistant coach? I've never actually looked into it. You know it's, the guy that we never I, hear anything about, I but he's always it. yelling I and I butcher it every time. Yeah, 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 I'm not, yeah. I, know, I, I never actually know who this guy Daisy is. Daisy and Liam Santa Maria, it rolls off their tongue. I, I'll butcher it. I'll butcher it. <laughs> Vic Law's injury is worse than it's being made out to be. Now, this is one again where we've had these issues before where, like, uh, I know Brisbane – 
We've had these issues times. quite a bit. Yeah. We even had the issues with Brisbane, somewhat in the Brisbane camp saying that, um, what's his name? Over in the NBA at the moment from Brisbane. Young fella, big guy. Will Magnay. Will Magnay. Jeez, I was thinking, I was like, who yeah, is that? Like, <laughs> Will Magnay. Yeah. When they said, someone in the Brisbane camp had said, the Will Magnay had been called up to the NBA when he wasn't. Yeah. So there's clearly some leaks oh. in the wrong areas in that Brisbane Bullets camp. But the ones that we need to know is the injuries and what's happening. But again, when Hodgson was out, no one knew oh. from the broadcast yeah, didn't yeah. know until right. Well, we before. thought, yeah, we thought he was going to play, thought and then we found play. out in the third quarter that he that he wasn't cuff. playing. And Vic Law is what's going on here? Well, they said that he was injured, but then Jason Gaddy said in his pregame interview that it's a bit worse than they imagined. It, it doesn't look very good coming in the next coming weeks. But again, you talk about everyone's talking now about well, are the bullets in trouble without Vic Law going? Yes, forward? yes, yes, they are. But you, if you're not going to be able to, you come and front that and say this is what's going on straight away. Same with Matt Hodgson. They lost that game to the Breakers. We found out in the third quarter Matt Hodgson did his calf. So it's like it stops people making unnecessary comments when they know what's going on. Same yeah. with the Conor Henry. If you front it up, I know they don't like to do it, but I interviewed someone in the NBL Cup. I'm not going to name what team or player. And Let me try to guess it. Did their ankle. And I was like, oh, okay, is he all good? Like, yep, he'll be good in the second half. So I went back, reported. I was like, yep, he'll be good in the second half. Walked out with ice on his ankle. Now, how does that look for me and, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. and the club? But then that's the, but then that's the, this sort of thing the NBL clubs against the media and but it's not, it, it, it protects you in terms of the yeah. un, the unneeded comments saying why isn't he playing like terrible coach you're not playing well, well that's hurt. that's the other piece hurt yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. why I'm not playing him but tell us <laughs> finally bit of NBA action RJ Hampton getting a tribute video mm. from the Nuggets look I get, no I was about to say I get it I don't get it cold why the coldest thing I've ever seen he had two elite dunks he had two elite dunks but why. The tribute videos are saved for the Kobe's, the Mellows, have, someone who's and even if it's like a Batum, it's Gary, Gary Harris, Gary Harris, Gary is Harris, someone that's been there for a while. while. Yep. They've had an impact. They've had a connection with the fans. And this is no knock on RJ Hampton at all. This is stuff out of his control. But a tribute video, there's got to be after a, how many games? There's got to be a minimum years, I think, seasons played or games played. There's got to be a the minimum effect. Tribute videos. James Harden got one from Houston, even though it wasn't the best stay in Houston. He still earned it because he was there for so long. And you watch it; they go out there and there's tears. It's an emotional thing, I can imagine, because you're finally because when you get traded or when you ask to leave, there's a lot of furor and anger that you're leaving. But that subsides with time. And the tribute video is always. Felt like it's been in with KD and OKC. He was getting called a cupcake, blah, blah, blah. You know what? The tribute video came out. The crowd was cheering. That's the moment where you can actually say your goodbye. Don't muddy the waters and give one to RJ Hampton. Is, would I be right in saying a minimum of 400 games for a team? You play 82 games a season. So for, oh, yeah, just over four that. seasons, 400 games you need to minimum play. Minimum of have a massive impact in those games or off the court. Unless you've got like Brandon Roy style injuries and stuff like that where you're that's missing different. Greg Yeah, that's Oden. different. That's, yeah, a, yeah. that's one anomaly. But it has to be, I reckon, minimum four years. 400 games is more than four years. I five agree. years. Five years you have to I have agree. some sort of impact. You're on the money. I'm going to go ahead after this and schedule my sternly worded email about the officiating. Handwriter. Handwriter. They hit more. They the hit Bunnings harder. Warehouse. Can you handwrite? Player of the game. Okay. No, I can't. Have a look at that. Try to read my no, right that's exactly Absolutely no chance. Anyway, thanks for tuning in this one. Hopefully, we've got some good news stories coming out next week. We'll see you next week. Gamble responsibly.